0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cole. If you are impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. It's good, you know, I, my heart is to worship and, and, and to provide a worship experience for you to come and have one of those. I'm, I'm preaching a series called Love Potion. For you to have one of those magical moments with God. But you know, before you can have a magical moment, uh, somebody got here early or last night and plugged some speakers in and put a chair right in the spot that it needed to be for you and, and paid for it. <laughs> um, the worship team has been working hard. And when we work hard, we, we do this because worship is not just magical so that you can have a magical moment. It's very practical. And uh, we do the practical so that we can eventually have the magical. You know, we, we I know in Love Potion, uh, As I'm, I know that you want love to be magical if you weren't here last week or you haven't heard that message at least twice. You need to go back because the assumption that you may have built your marriage on or your future marriage is being built on an assumption. I don't know where you're at in love in particular, but you build it on the assumption that love is magical, but it's not. It's not magical first, it's practical first. If you're married to a man, I hate to break it to you, but we're not magical, we're practical. And if you feed us, we'll love you. See, we try to remove the barriers here, and what you have to do in your lives is you have to remove the barriers to love that exist already. And when you remove the barriers to love, the magic comes, just give it time. But we remove barriers like we turn the music up and you might think it's too loud but here's the thing Uh, it's just my theory is that if it's loud enough so that you can't either impress your neighbor with your voice or destroy them with it we remove the barrier for you so that you can worship with abandon see love was supposed to eventually get to abandon but it was not supposed to start there oh that's good i didn't write that down but i feel like that's the holy spirit Love is is not supposed to, it's supposed to get into abandon eventually, but it's not supposed to start in abandon. And in today's society, we start in this abandon and we seek all the love and all the pleasures and all of the chemistry and all of the, but it's practical first. So if you give yourself to those things, you'll find you won't have the magic later, but if you give yourself to the practical things, well, that's good because we can figure it out. And by we, I don't mean you, I mean the Holy Spirit can figure it out. <laughs> Here's the assumption that we need to dig down today, that you and I enter most relationships that we have, whether or not you're, you're married or heading in that direction or have come from that direction, whatever your life looks like. Here's, here's the assumption that we build it on that we need to replace with a different foundation. Here's my assumption uh, with my wife. Are you here, sweetheart? Are you, there she is. Can you give her a big hand? It's it, it, um, Here's, so here's what I do in my marriage is, is this is the assumption I have and this is the assumption you have I can see us so let me fix you baby <laughs> oh you're laughing but you know it's, it's you I can see what's really going on in us so let me fix you, you know, the other person's like I guess I'm the one who, that's wrong but they're doing the same thing to you I can really see what's going on so let me fix you James chapter one, uh, the brother of Jesus writes this to you. He says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey. So he's like, okay, you've got, you've got part of the way there. You've listened to it. If you haven't listened to it, uh, the rest is not gonna help you either. <laughs> but if you listen to the word and don't obey, he said, is like glancing at your face in a mirror. So glancing at your face in a mirror because the only person you don't see very well is you. Shock. It says, you see yourself, you walk away. So you see yourself, you walk away and do anything but obey immediately. You, you see yourself in the mirror, the word of God holds up a mirror, you finally see yourself as you really are, as everybody else has to live with you, gets to live with you. You see yourself, and then it says, you walk away, but instead of doing, you let something else get in this gap, and the, and the, the wider this gap is, the blinder you actually are as the person. Because God's word was not meant to be evaluated by you. By your emotions or your brain. Did you know this? This came to me about 15 minutes ago. Is that your brain's job is to protect you when you're smart and when you're dumb. <laughs> it will defend you to the bitter end, even if you're the one who did it. Yeah, that's right. it's, it's job. <laughs> it's to protect you. What if you're sinful like me? Then what? It says you walk away and you forget what you look like. Hmm. You forget what you look like. That's the problem. That's the problem. Now, if you can't see you, meaning if you're not hearing the word of God, I think it's time that we stop fixing the other person and we start working on the person that God... uh, actually is calling you to fix and so um, if you don't hear the word of God then don't worry about fixing somebody else but if you don't hear because that can be knowledge of what the problem is but wisdom is actually in doing it so if you don't hear and then you don't immediately obey you'll forget what everybody sees when they see you you'll forget what you're like I can't see I can see what's wrong with us so let me let me fix you you know, um, So, has anybody ever like gone blind for a day or two? Just something came up. I don't know. I had a situation happen to me one time. You know, if you um, thanks, Jen, on the keys. I um, I had a situation come up one time where um. Where I had to go up in a concrete tower. I come from industry, and I used to work on motors and things, and so I got called to a concrete place, and so what, you know, the place where they fill the trucks that come to your house and pour a sidewalk? So one of those places, right? And so I, I showed up there, and they said, to, there's a motor not working in that tower over there, and that tower is a, what they called a shaker tower, or something to that effect. So, so the concrete powder that they use in the trucks, you know, you go to the hardware store, and if you're building a fence, you'll, you'll get a bag of... of you know how heavy those bags are? They're heavy bags of concrete, and then you mix it with water, and, and which is ultimately kind of what a truck does. And, and, um, and so they would auger out of these great massive you know, bins, auger up into this shaker tower, and then it would come through bags that were about this big around and about this tall. And the motor attached to the, you know, eventually the pulley and the belt and everything kind of shakes this whole assembly and all the shaking comes through and then it eventually goes down and into the truck. So that's how, that's how that works. But I went up there and then I got up there and I'm like, well, the motor's working, but the belt had slipped off. And I thought, oh, it's gonna be one of those good calls, right? It was going to be one of those amazing calls where I got to go back to lunch early. So I put the belt back on it, and I turned it on, and I realized, whoa, this motor is working way too hard. It's not actually shaking the thing. And I realized, somebody's love life, you're working way too hard at it, but you're not working. You know, here's what happens is, is um, I go back down, and I'm like, the motor's working, but it's too heavy of a load because what had happened was all of these bags that the, the, the regular maintenance of... Am I preaching about somebody's marriage? The regular meat, you're supposed to keep the bags free of the stuff. But what happened was, as the stuff comes into the bags, every now and again it gets caught up. If there's a little moisture or something in there, a little sin in your life, a little selfishness, it starts packing in there. And so it's like the Bible says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. But you can get like a lot of stuff in there if you pack it down, right? And so now we've got bags that are like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds, heavy. And this little motor, this little engine so to speak is not meant to do the way that it's doing this is all prophetic about your marriage and your future marriage youth I hope you're getting this because I am not going to counsel you 20 years from now if you don't do what I'm telling you to do right now I'll just be like you had your chance no man and so (laughs) that's true Erin can counsel you she loves that So what happened was, he hands me a mallet and he says, yeah, sometimes that happens. And then he sent me back up there and he said, would you mind knocking some of these bags loose? And a good half, like maybe half a dozen or eight of them maybe, were like full. Well, I go up there and you have no room to work. And I worked up into a sweat in about five minutes. And in about five minutes or 15 minutes, I started to realize this is his job. He knew the motor was fine. That's why he sent me up here, to fix his crap. Did I offend you with crap? (laughs) Have you hang out here long enough? That ain't nothing, so. Get a tough skin. So I get in there, and after about 15 minutes, I'm sweating. So he had given me, for my personal protection, a dust mask that you can get for 10 cents at the hardware store, because that'll do a lot. And he gave me a pair of glasses, like safety glasses, but not goggles. And so I'm sweating like crazy, and... And it's so thick with concrete dust, which is like fine like flour, and it starts getting in my eyes and starts running into my eyes. And then my eyes turn bloodshot, and after about a half an hour, I couldn't see anything at all because my tear ducts, it couldn't keep up. And my eyes are bloodshot, and it's hurting so bad that I just closed my eyes and did the rest of it blind. And then I climbed down the, you know, 60-foot tower or whatever it was blind because nobody was coming to get me. It's going to be like a rescue on the side of a mountain, you know tie a rope on me and throw me over the edge. Well, I had to get down and so I get down and then I stumble my way into the site office. He tipped me 20 bucks, everybody, for doing his job. So that 20 bucks helped me to get into my uh, truck. Alberta trades is like the wild west and I drove myself across town blind into the hospital and spent the evening there getting my eyes flushed out. Yeah, that was a great, great day. But here's the thing. At least I knew what it was like to see before. I have something to compare it to. But when, when Armin was little, she didn't have the best eyesight. But she was like in school and had been in school for a while. And a friend of ours came over. And she was an optometrist. And she said, like, Corey and Aaron, Armin can't see. <laughs> You'll notice she's squinting at everything. She can't actually see what's going on. Parent of the year. Got any other parents of the year in here? You single people, you don't know. You shut up. You'll lose your kids in Ikea, then what? You come, you cry on my shoulder. I'll be like, I know, I lost kids in Ikea. I lost myself in Ikea. So we take her, and then she gets glasses, and then, oh my goodness, she can actually see. For the first time in her life, she can see. Well, what if I would tell you that, that you might have nothing to compare how to see yourself because you've never actually seen yourself the way that God sees you and the way that the people see you around you. What if you have nothing to compare it to and your entire life you've been trying to love blind because you can't see you? You have nothing to compare it to. It's like if you're tone deaf and you don't have somebody who can sing help tell you that you're tone deaf my daughters uh, all had the same kindergarten teacher who was lovely but tone deaf. Stone cold tone deaf. And Christmas concerts were a nightmare because you've got all these kindergarten kids who can't sing and my daughters would come home and start singing and I'd be like, baby, baby, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know that you're not singing the note that the song is, right? You're singing in this key and then you sing in this key and then you sing in this key and it's awful. You need somebody in your life to come and tell you you're tone deaf. So let's fix it. Because you're capable of not being a terrible singer. Some of you are not capable of not being terrible singers, and so I love you, but that's why we turn the music up. We love your neighbors, too. You might get to go on the worship team, but your mic's not going to be on. You worship. You show us how to worship outwardly. We love you. You're not coming in my ears. See, uh, I think God spends most of our lives trying to convince us that you can't see you but you're like, yeah, but I can see. And he's like, compared to what? How you saw you yesterday, you're slightly better, but that doesn't mean that you can see. And so what happens when we're dating, You know, when I was dating Pastor Aaron, what you do when you're dating is very different than what you do when you're married because when you're dating, are you ready? If you've never dated anybody, this is what's gonna happen. You start becoming well aware of your own faults because that's probably why you're lonely, is how you think. I have problems, man. I don't know who's going to want to be with me. And then you start getting a little desperate, and then you start dating them. But what happens is there's this, like, blindness that comes over you uh, in regards to the other person's faults. And you'll find yourself defending their character flaws and their faults because you kind of want to be blind to them because you want this to work out because you're tired of being lonely and messed up. But you become kind of hypersensitive of your own issues, Right? Because you know, like, hey, man, I better get this right. So you're on your best behavior. They're on their best behavior. But when you get married, then it's like, put the sweatpants on. Yeah. Well, just let it all go, you know, like. And you become hyper-aware of their problems that you now get to live with. And you become blind to your problems, which lends itself to the, hey, I can see what's wrong with us. And it's you. So let me fix you, and then we'll be happy. Because we were happy when we were dating. And they're like, you didn't date me and come to the dates in sweatpants all the time. And now you're, all you do is wear sweatpants. Like, emotionally and stuff. <laughs> so what you do when you're dating is you just buy them more flowers and buy them more chocolate. And it goes away for a little while. And then a year later, it, it'll fall asleep. And then a year later, you'll be like, oh. And you'll like, try to buy you know, not as many flowers now because flowers cost a lot of money. And then you're like, well, I'll buy you a few flowers and... And it gives it six months, and it comes back again. And you're like, what's going on? You got past the issue, but you never got through the issue. You never dealt with the issue itself. And so, um, see, what happens is it's like you're you're diagnosing them. It's like you're the doctor, but you come into the room where they're sitting, and then you take off your really thick glasses, because you can't really see that well. And you put them down on the counter, and then you stumble and trip over the garbage can and get over to your spouse. And there's your spouse and there's a lamp and you grab the arm of the lamp and you're like, ooh, you're cold, baby. There's something wrong with your heart. You're like a robot. And she's like, I don't know if you're talking about me or not. And I would prefer it if you would put your glasses back on. But see, there's this thing that the word of God comes and it holds up a mirror, which is like putting a set of glasses on you so that you can see you. Because if you can't see you, you can't see. And why are you trying to fix them if you can't see you? But if you don't hear and obey the word immediately, you can't see you. But the devil is tricky. This is what he does. He knows that you are highly suggestible. So when you're um, reading your Bible in the morning, I hope that you do that. You're reading your Bible and, you know, you read a passage about, you know, lying or impatience. And then I read the Bible and I look over at Erin reading her Bible and I'm like, I hope she's reading this. (laughs) Because, man, she needs this right now. Thank you, God, for revealing your word. And now, hey, baby, why don't you read you know, First Peter? I feel like by the spirit that is talking about you. Because what he'll do is he'll take the pure word of God, which is there to hold up a mirror to you, and he'll tell you that it's not for you, it's for them. And people do this all the time, don't they? The Bible says, like, why are you trying to remove a speck from your brother's eye when you have a log in your eye? That's how embarrassing it gets, but you can't see you, and you can't see. He's like, and then, then I just read it this morning, and my, he says, you're trying to see past the log in your eye to fix them, to remove this tiny little thing in them. And then what happens is uh, the more you hang out with them, the more God is trying to work on your issues, and the more your issues, you'll start seeing it in the face of others in little measures. And so the devil will whisper in your ear, or like, well, don't deal with your 10%, because they got 90% of this problem. They're much worse than you, so why would you do that? The devil will tell you, because they're not going to work on them. Well, that's not your job, is to work on them. That's God's job, to work on them. And even if your spouse is not a believer, it's still God's job to work on them. You can't change their heart, because you can't even change your heart. Yeah, one person Sure. So, thank you. I thought that was good. So here's, here's the thing you'll start seeing your sin and your character flaws and your weaknesses reflecting in other people, and then you'll start getting hypersensitive to it in other people and very intolerable. And so, because I'm a pastor, and and people come to me sometimes, and they're like, Pastor, I know what your problem is, and I'm thinking to myself, here we go. I know the next thing out of their mouth if they're not in a relationship with me that has the right to speak these things, because I have people who correct me, but it's not generally everybody. Everybody. And so I have somebody, and they'll come, and they'll try to correct me out of a place that I'm like, God's holding up a mirror. And you think this is in me, and it could be, but God's not going to show you that in me. He's showing it in you. It's in you. I already know the next words. Look, I'm a pastor's kid. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. I'm like, why don't you work on you? Let God work on me. Let the people that God put in my life work on me. Here's what you need to know. The word of God is a mirror before it's a window. Every single time. I, I, look, I've already preached a service, and I went in, and I'm like, that was awesome. I love that. Thank you, God. I just appreciate this. And God's like, "You want? can I talk to you about your blindness? And I'm like, I guess. I guess that was the point of all of that was me that, right, right. He holds up a mirror before he holds up a window. But some of us, we're not good at looking in the mirror and then we don't do it immediately. We get engaged in other things and we delay and we don't do something about it immediately. Whether it's confessing sin or putting yourself in the power of somebody and to be like, hey, correct me when I start getting weird about this thing. You just will not, you will not go to a small group about finances even though your finances are a mess. And then you want to help your neighbor fix their finances. And they're like, I don't know, you're messed up, man. I'm not listening to you. They smile and nod because they're Canadian, but they're not going to... No. Or you'll go to a Dave Ramsey small group, and then you won't do it. And then you'll complain to God and expect everybody else to bail you out. I wasn't talking about money. I was (laughs) just... The word of God is a mirror before it's a window, which means we're, listen, blind... Blind. Blind. Uh, watch this story of Jesus as he's walking along. I've, I've left quite a bit of time to go through this story here because it's hilarious. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi or a teacher, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? They only had two uh, buckets to put him in. This is what the, the Pharisees were teaching at the time, or the religious leaders. Was it because of his own sins or because of his parents' sins? You have to be careful, religious people. If your sins are forgiven and you're living in some form of health, it's easy to put somebody who's struggling with something that you're not struggling with currently in a box and say, well, it's sin in their life. They deserve it. And not lifting a finger to help them. Well, they're just going to hurt me. That's true. Just like you hurt Christ and just like you hurt the people around you. And they still love you and forgive you and get on with it and come back and give a little more, right? It uh, says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be, watch the imagery, could be seen in him. Yeah. He's blind from birth, It's so the power of God can be seen in him, which means your blindness could eventually, if you allow God to fix it, could eventually be so that the power of God could be seen in your blindness and your blind condition. <laughs> Not so you can be seen as somebody who sees, but so that in your blindness and in spite of it, God healed you and fixed you, and he could get the glory. We must watch this. He backs up what he later tells by the Holy Spirit, his brother James, to write you. He says, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. Tasks from heaven are not to be thought about and judged and talked about. They're just to be done. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. While I'm here in the world, I'm the light of the world. Then he, um, he did what you would do to heal a blind person. He spit on the ground, <laughs> made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. All right. Give you an image here. <laughs> <laughs> and the blind guy's like, I'm not deaf. Is, <laughs> is he doing what I think he's doing? <laughs> Boom. On the blind man's eyes. <laughs> I know you don't like being handled, particularly men. But there, when Jesus wants to handle you, He wants to handle you, and He'll. It will be embarrassing at times, but do you want to see or not? Yeah. Or you want it a certain way? Go dip in the go go dip in the Jordan River seven times, and I'll heal you of leprosy. My river's better. Well, then keep leprosy. <laughs> keep it if you want it. He says, and then he tells him, watch how cruel this is, and he'll say this to you too when you're blind. Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Well, how humiliating. How's he going to get there? He can't see. When God asks you to go do something blind, and you're like, I can't. I'm struggling with fill in the blank. I can't help this person, and God's like, do it anyways. I don't know how to. God's like, good. Get somebody to take you by the hand. Young people, get an older married person to take you by the hand and walk you to where you need to get. I don't like being handled. Do you want to have a good marriage or do you want to have a crappy marriage? Okay, well then be handled a little bit. So the man went and washed. He didn't think or feel. He, he didn't talk to somebody. He just All he did was just like grab the person closest to him and take me to the pool. Let's try it. And he came back seeing his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this? You, You think the Bible isn't funny. You think God doesn't have a sense of humor. Watch, watch, watch. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, Guys, I'm the one. I'm right here. I'm the guy that Jesus has healed, and I used to be blind. I don't know. Do you think that that guy's the blind guy? Oh, he kind of looks like him. I am him. I don't know. What do you think? He's like, I'm right here. I'm telling you. This is when God does a miracle in your spouse. And rather than let him get the credit for it, you still keep trying to fix them. Oh, no. Let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting. <laughs> Something has shifted in their heart and you don't know it and you keep trying to fix them. So good. Huh. Sometimes it would be better to be blind than to be stupid because that brings its own sort of blindness <laughs> with it. He's like, wow, people who can see are really, really stupid. <laughs> it's like they have eyes but they don't use them. It's like they think that proximity is the same thing as experiencing wisdom. So they asked him, Who healed you? What happened? He told them, The man called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes, and it was a bit humili- humiliating. <laughs> and he told me, Go to the pool, and I couldn't see, so I just grabbed somebody and I washed myself. I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now? They asked. <laughs> I don't know. The whole story started out with me being blind. How would I know where he went? <laughs> I just told you what I know. I put mud on my eyes, and then I went, and then I watched. Well, where did he go in the meantime? <laughs> Again, I was blind. Like. <laughs> Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Now, if anybody should see it, it'd be the church leaders, right? Because church people are super smart. Because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the money and healed him. And so they had an issue with, you know, the Sabbath we treat now as the first day, according to the early disciples, the first day of the week. We've just sort of shifted that into our Sabbath, meaning you need a day of rest and worship. But what they had done was God gave rules about the Sabbath, but then the Pharisees and the religious people and church people, you do this all the time, be careful when you do this to your kids. They made up a bunch of rules to make sure they didn't break the real rules. And then eventually they all became about the same thing. God hates rock music kids because drums are jungle music or I don't know, <laughs> stuff that we used to hear when we were kids my friends heard. Yeah, you're careful, your rules are a little different than God's rules. Yeah, make rules, but like, oh, this is us, and that's God, and there's a huge difference, you know. That was good. And he took him to the Pharisees. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them, he put mud over my eyes. Same story, like, it, it doesn't change. You know, I wish that your story wouldn't be so complicated, I was blind, I can see, like, this is what happened. Somebody put mud on my eyes, it didn't feel great, I was a a little embarrassed, but I, you know, thank God that, and then I was healed and I could see. I wish that you would let the person coming beside you who is just repenting of their sins, I wish you would pick up on that spirit a little more than coming in here and judging the sermon, because it's not gonna help you if you judge it. And they just are glad that they can, they were blind and now they can see, and I think I need to return to that every single day of my life, and I was blind, Jesus, but for some reason you picked the dumbest one and made me the preacher. And you've got to listen to me now. I think it's hilarious, but. <laughs> so some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God for he's working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how can an ordinary sinner just do, see, there's nothing ordinary about him. But there is something quite ordinary about your blindness. You and I are pretty ordinary, everybody. Can I just break it to you? Yeah. You're special in the sight of God, but not because your drawing in kindergarten is really that great. He'll put it on the fridge, but he got like Picasso and his stuff on the fridge, but he likes your stuff. Do you know what I mean? You're kind of ordinary, but it's your proximity to extraordinary. You're quite natural, but it's your proximity to supernatural that makes you special. Because of who he is, and I don't know why he loves me, but he's pretty special, and he thinks that I'm special, but not like that, but... And it says, um, how can an ordinary man do such miraculous signs?" So there was a deep division. Here's what will divide you, and here's what divides churches and companies and families, of opinion among them. I read this morning that Jesus taught with authority, but not like the scribes. Why? Because they had many opinions about Jesus, many opinions about the word, and what they should obey and what they shouldn't, many opinions. They were too smart. Another blinding factor, they, asked, they questioned the man who had been blinded, demanded, What's your opinion about this man who healed you? And I love this guy. He's just about as simple as I am. And the man replied, I think he must be a prophet. <laughs> I've, I've never seen anybody, so the prophets haven't spoken in Israel for 400 years at this point. And he goes, Maybe the brown." They still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called on his parents. They asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? This is what you do, though. This is what I do. Is the real question they had to answer here was that, that Jesus messed them up by doing something that, that broke their rules but didn't break heaven's rules. And the Sabbath. And Jesus thought it was okay to heal people on a, you know, at church. And they disagreed with him. So rather than go to the place that you need to go to the next time your blindness is revealed and go, wow, if we're wrong about this, we could be wrong about everything. I could be wrong about everything that I think about you. I could be wrong about every argument that I've ever had. Instead of doing that, you'll call the poor guy's parents in and ask him if he was really blind in the first place. It's called the art of distraction. You're susceptible to it. You'll just keep, you'll be like a pit bull on the wrong question because this question doesn't matter. Heaven's question matters. Woo! You didn't get it. You'll get it later. You've got to watch it again. They asked, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son. Okay, zero risk there. And that he was born blind. You know, fact. Well, we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Watch this. Ask him, he is old enough to, to speak for himself. And then it explains his parents said this because they were afraid of uh, the, the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from church. Meaning, church people, be very careful that you don't decide how God is allowed to talk to you and who he's allowed to send you. That's right. Ooh. You'll hear the word of God and you won't go back and do it because you're still kind of like, no, you already decided that he only is allowed to talk to you a certain way and he's not going to make mud and put it in your face. So you do it. So you put the mud in your face. Oh, that's good. Still don't get it. Watch it a third time. That's why they said he's old enough. Ask him. You be careful when God's done a miracle that you don't start. Watch what you're defending. Why don't you defend the miracle and go for that's it? Right. Yeah, that's right. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and said, God give, should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. How can God get glory if Jesus is a sinner? It doesn't make any sense. They're stupid. They're blind. They're blind. Yeah. I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. <laughs> Let your story be that short. I was blind, I guess, and now I can see. At least I think I can, but I had nothing to compare the other thing to, so. Huh, good way to live. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man is clean. I told you once. I have a short attention span, like Pastor Cory. How many times do I gotta tell you the same thing? Didn't you listen? Why do you wanna hear it again? Do you wanna become his disciples too? Because I'm totally into that now. You guys into that? Hmm. You guys ought to be into this. You're church people, right? You should totally be into that. I'm totally into it. Then they cursed him Oof. and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man came from, although Jesus, by the Spirit, actually created Moses. Hmm. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. I just love this guy. He, just, he doesn't care. He, he can see he doesn't care. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. His theology was better than their theology because they didn't have wisdom with all the knowledge. They didn't do it. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He's ready, and then he says, Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind, and my goodness, I would know about it. I have been told my whole life that my sin caused my blindness. And I am deeply aware of my sin when some people sitting in church are not aware of their sin. They're not aware of their own blindness. It's all becoming clear to him right now. And he's saying, Nobody since the beginning of creation, we have never heard of this before. I have the destroyer of my dreams. Who would marry a blind man? Who would want children fathered by a blind man? I can't support you. I have nothing in this life. He's like, "I, I was blind. You have nothing before Christ. You can't see anything. You'll get lost in the pleasures of the world and lose your soul in the end. He says, don't take away the only hope I've got. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. Then they said, you were born a total sinner. He's like, right, but you weren't. I was just physically blind. Yeah. Then they said, Are you trying to teach us? Uh, sometimes your kids could teach you a little something. Yeah. Mom, isn't that called gossip? When you go home and complain about the sermon? I thought that that was called gossip, Mom. <laughs> now you can't complain about the sermon, can you? <laughs> they threw him out of church. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe. I know that you want to believe. I feel it. Let your desperation drive you to the cross. Let your desperation, I want to believe, I want to believe. You have seen him, Jesus said. What? You've seen him. He's speaking to you right now. As blind as you are, you've still seen Jesus. You've seen him in all these little things in your life. You just, your eyes were blind. You look back one day and see where he was in the pain too. Yes, right. That's right. yes Lord, I believe the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. That's the trouble. You can't forget how to worship, and worship is real simple. I was blind, and I can see. Yeah. Yes. I didn't deserve it, and I got it, and I don't know how that's possible. Then Jesus told him, you ready? Here's the kicker. I entered this world to render judgment. He said, quit judging. Let me do the judging. To give sight to the blind and to show those who think they are blind they see that they are blind. Get this, get this, get this. You ready? There are two types of people. Two types of people. Which one are you? Just be honest. I'll give me a sec on that too. You're either blind and you say that you are, or you're blind and you say that you aren't. But you're blind. But you're blind. We're all blind, is what he's saying. You're either blind and say that you are and can admit that you are, or you're blind and you say that you aren't. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby him heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? He said, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Listen, this is what pride does. Are you ready? Yeah. You're only gonna go home with one thing to do, yeah. and I hope you do it. Pride says this. It's dishonest to admit you're blind until you see it for yourself. I'm not going to drop it because it costs a lot of money. Pride says don't admit you're blind in the middle of the argument until you see it for yourself. That's how dumb it is. That's how dumb it makes you. That's how blind it makes you. Here's what I want you to do this week. Here's my last thought. Everybody is blind. Everybody is blind. Quit trying to see it before you say it. Just say it. In the next worship song, just say it. I'm blind, God. I'm blind. Before your next argument, just lock yourself in the bathroom for a minute and be like, I gotta go to the bathroom. Lock yourself in the bathroom and be like, I'm blind. I might be wrong about Everything that I feel in my heart and everything I think, right? I could be blind. Tell yourself. Don't wait till you can see it. It doesn't work that way. I'm blind. Maybe go out and tell your spouse, hey, I'm blind. So I could be seeing this all wrong, but I think that maybe, maybe you, maybe I, maybe I could be wrong about the whole thing. But my goodness, tell God, I'm blind, and I don't see it, and I need you. To open the eyes of my understanding so that i can see me heavenly father i pray for every person here i pray that you would release us from the sickness of blindness but father i feel like all the power in heaven is waiting and there's just one one little thing that needs to happen the the lever that needs to open is that i just have to say during this next worship song i'm blind oh god help me see in jesus name amen